I have the great pleasure of interviewing Pastor Ernesto Medina, uh, and we are both masked, so sorry if we sound a little bit muffled, but as you all know, COVID is going crazy, so we have to be careful. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into this interview. So, Pastor Medina, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, where you come from, your family, and when you entered the ministry. Morgan, you're supposed to call me Ernesto. We've known each other for years. I know, <laughs> Actually. <laughs> I'm trying to be official. Here. I know, I know. <laughs> so, to First Lutheran, Morgan and my wife Susan have known each other for years when they worked together at um, Lutheran Family Services. So Yes, we do have a long history. Yeah. So, I'm just thrilled to be sitting with you. <laughs> um, I have a, there's, a, there's so many ways that I can answer. Um, I was or, ordained three decades ago, over three decades ago, as an Episcopal priest. And um, that was, you know, lived in Southern California. And then about 13 years ago, um, Susan and I moved to Nebraska. And within two weeks, we realized that we had moved home. That was just a surprise. We thought we were going to be here for three years and then go someplace else. Um, but it was it's just been amazing. So I now claim Nebraska rather than California. And a similar thing happened between being ordained an Episcopal priest and being ELCA pastor. I've been serving uh, ELCA Church St. John and Beatrice for almost two years now um, after I retired. And again, similar dynamic. Within two weeks of getting to know that, that community, the synod, the worship, it was like, where have you been all my life? And it just became kind of a no-brainer for me that this was the language, this was a better reflection of my heart. It's not to deny my history, but that Martin Luther was a crazy guy. And I'm intrigued, and I'm fascinated, and I find at the core of being Lutheran profoundly relevant to the changing times that we find ourselves. So um, I function as an ELCA uh, pastor, I'm not rostered as yet. That's almost almost there. There's some um, bureauc- bureaucratic moves that have to happen. The other way I want to answer that is I am committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I find the good news to be beyond radical. I don't consider the good news of Jesus to be something that's, that what I see some colleagues and some other other folks, I don't consider it to be the equivalent of a nine-volt battery, where you can, where it's where it's just and just just not dangerous enough to be afraid of it, where you can put it on your tongue and feel the shock to see if it's good. But I find that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that actually matters, transforms lives, and that, at a core, is my ordination response. That's what I do. That's who I am. You will hear from me over and over again that I have been surprised and I continue to be surprised that Jesus chose to love without exception. And even until his, to his last breath, he would not compromise that and he forgave those who were killing him. And I want to learn to love like that. And that's why I follow Jesus. That kind of love matters. And it's only possible by the God who created us and who loves us and blesses us and calls us holy people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's great. 
you kind of set the stage well for the next question of what do you think is the most important thing we know about you as a pastor? So the first thing I said to the call committee is I'm one crazy guy. <laughs> and to, and I just shared that with the staff. I, I consider that a, actually a, um, if I say, well, you, Morgan, are crazy. And I, <laughs> and I know that and I mean that. And that's a, that's a really big compliment. Because it means you're, you're willing to be, a person's willing to be out of the box, which really means to trust God and to be willing to look for the imagination of God. So I, I strive in my discipline of prayer and of study um, to be in that place. I choose to bias towards the unconditional nature of God's love rather than judgment. It's not that I don't deny judgment, I, not that I don't deny sin, because it's there. But I'd rather live and bias towards the abundance of God's love. And that's where I'm going to start, and, and I, because I think life is better that way. Our faith is better there. Our community being is better. Absolutely. It's great. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is an article in the Papillion Times where you're quoted saying, it doesn't matter if Jesus is the Son of God. How would you like to respond to that? Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it appears because somebody, we, we talked about that at, at council, and um, it's come up a couple times, and it appears that people have been really Googling that a lot because it's now, it used to be, like on the second page, if you Googled me now, it's like the first or second thing. So <laughs> I, thanks for the question, because I really look forward to the opportunity. So I think I did say that, so I'm not going to deny that. But it's taken way out. Of, it's The way that it got reported yes. is so out of context. And I probably should have answered this way to your first question, what do I want people to know about me? I, I really consider myself a evangelical, but not in kind of the 2020 normative way of understanding what that word is but the but at the core what was it what is it to be evangelical um, both in the early days following the resurrection and in the time of Martin Luther in terms of what Martin Luther was claiming as evangelical which is to be a person who is willing to share the good news of Jesus anywhere anytime to anyone and um, because I believe that too often although you know as a pastor I'm going to be uh, taking it seriously and important to be a pastor to this community inside the walls, right? What you don't see is I'm doing air quotes. Um, but we also, um, there is a vision that was articulated to me both by the call committee and by the council, which is why I was so excited about the possibility of entering into ministry with you in this community. And that is a willingness to explore in a very real, tangible way what is it to share Jesus outside the walls of this community, which means that it's to people that are Christian, not Christian, don't even know what Christian is, that willingness. Okay. And I've been living in that for a long time because I think that's what we're called to be. What I was saying in the particular interview is that when we are talking, when I am talking to someone who has never even heard the story, um, Story I have a, of Jesus? The story of Jesus, yeah. Or anything, even with any, really, who claim to be atheist or agnostic or you know, any of that, right? Um, 
the last place I'm going to start is to say, hello, atheist. I want to tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. Because it's not going to go anywhere. It's not, it's, it's just not good stewardship. We'll get there. And we'll talk about things that we don't understand, which is, that's one thing we don't understand, the mysteries we don't understand. But what I will begin with, and this is, this is what I was saying, to someone that I am sharing the good news of Jesus with, is I'm going to tend to begin with the absolute declaration that the person I'm speaking to is loved by God. Morgan, you are absolutely loved by God. You are cherished and you are special and you are a holy person because God has made you. The other thing, and this is something I hope to actually teach First Lutheran, is how do you bless people? And the way that I've learned to bless people from people that are not in the tradition is to be open, listen, watch, and say, Morgan, what I see in you is this gift to reach out and to be real with people, because that's how I see you. And, and to say, I want more of that. I want you to be bold with that. Because God loves you. And, and that's how we evangelize. At some point, if you have not been part of the tradition, and you have a person or a group of people that are talking to you about this reality of God, it will change you. And it will be Jesus that you learn to walk with. You will be with the Holy Spirit you learn to fly with. It will be the God who created you you learn to stand with. And then at some point, you, we, it, it may occur to us to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, when that becomes important. The fact that Jesus is the Son of God is a truth that is not deniable, that's undeniable. But where I was taken out of context or how the way that it was written is that that's not how I begin when I'm an evangelist. That's not how, where I begin if I'm being the church outside the walls of the building. Because the need is something different and just as important. And I'd rather love them by telling them what they need to hear. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for shedding some light on that. Uh, it's great to hear your heart behind that. That's mm -hmm. it's great. Thank you. Um, so next question, what are your passions in ministry and in your personal life? So what do you love doing in the church walls, but then what do you love doing when it's you and your wife, and we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Okay, uh, I'm going to start with me and my wife. So we yes. both love Frisbee golf. Awesome. Love it. I've been playing frisbee golf since high school. And I have, usually in my car, a set of 18 discs for different distances and for different wind conditions. Anybody that wants to take me on, I accept, but you're going to lose. I'm just going to say. Okay? Just, so I'm very serious about this. I'm very serious about <laughs> disc golf, yeah. Um, I've been, yeah, again, I've been playing since high school. It's, a, it's, it's just a really good way to get out. Susan and I like to go fishing. We don't do enough of it. And we love to travel. Oh my gosh, we love to travel. Right now it's been a hard year because um, we have not been given. We had one crazy trip at the beginning of the year before COVID hit. 
We went to, to Madrid for three days and then took a cruise for a week around the United Arab Emirates and then went to Morocco for three or four days. We like to do that. It's the way that we get our head together. We get grounded, connect, reconnected with the earth. Um, we love time with our kids. I have um, two kids from a previous marriage. Susan has two. We have twin um, uh, grandchildren. They call me Wom. That's my name, Wom. W-O-M, wise old man. <laughs> um, so that's those. Those are those are good. Um, in a church setting, I it's hard to answer that because there's just so many. I mean, I was joking with the staff. What's your favorite thing? Well, I love doing funerals. Um, and it's not that I love doing funerals. I just think the miracles that happen that you see as you're walking with a family and going through this really holy event is really important. I love seeing um, a group of people take on the imagination of God and willing to be open to it and take it on, you know, just go for it. And to not, like, what does the Archangel Gabriel say to Mary? Fear not. Um, I, I, it's life-giving to me to see faith lived out. Faith awesome. means faith means being grounded to the earth, mm-hmm. connected like roots, that you're so strong that if you're pushed over, you're not going to fall or break. Um, oh, I'm a nerd about the Greek and the Hebrew too. <laughs> I love it, but I don't I don't over nerd it. I I am I've practiced to be able to. I think you'll see that on the sermon on Sunday that I can practice using these concepts and bringing those, because I think they're so important to understand how the hearer was hearing what was being said. Absolutely. You have a tasteful amount of nerdiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's not true, Morgan. <laughs> but thank you. What are you most excited about with potentially working at First Lutheran? First Lutheran is an amazing community. It's healthy right from the get-go. I, If you look at my resume, you're going to see uh, many times I had the privilege of going to congregations in crisis, um, which I'm very good at. I mean, if you can't preach the good news in broken situations, what's the point? Um, but to but to be at a place that is so healthy, um, Susan has knows this place um, deeply and knows a lot of people here. And, you know, I trust my wife. And if she loves the place and loves the church and loves the people, I'm right there. It, there's You don't have to tell me twice. I'm um, infatuated, that's probably the best word, with the vision that's been articulated to me about what First Lutheran wants to do. It's one of the few communities that I've engaged with that are willing to consider what it needs to do and be in order to be relevant in 30 years. The church is enough in a crisis, um, enough of a shift that most institutional places are going to die First Lutheran is not one of those, and I'm prepared to help lead that. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. That's awesome. Love your enthusiasm and optimism. It's great. And then do you see any big challenges potentially working at first? Anything that might be something that'll take some work? Your eyes, for the podcast audience, (laughs) Morgan's eyes just went really large. (laughs) Do I regret asking this question? Maybe. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's it's. We're gonna have to figure out how to be church when the new normal begins. Um, I, and to be really honest about it, and not have some ego hooks into, you know, what we've done or what we're doing. 
I, I know that for a lot of people, um, being able to attend church in your pajamas is pretty darn nice. And we're going to have to be honest with that. I think that's the, that I hope we can be honest enough to actually figure out. At the church that I'm at, we instituted drive-in theater church right away. So we never canceled anything. We just reimagined how we did things. And what's really, what's been interesting is that, you know, there's always kind of parental children struggles in church because the parents don't want to be embarrassed, you know? Not that they, bother, they don't bother me at all, but I just think it's funny that. But in their cars, that doesn't happen. Oh, totally. And so yeah. what, what is it like to come to church and not have to worry about whether your kids are embarrassing you or not? Yeah. These are important things. Right? And I think that will be a challenge because we've not been there. Um, what is it? How is it to re-engage? How is it? Um, can we honestly do an evaluation of what we need to be as a church now given a new opportunity. I think that's what it is, a great opportunity. And I think it's an opportunity to be relevant and to find a new way to actually be bolder in how we share the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. And then uh, final question. Is there any... Anything else we can do to get to know you better? Do you have any resources we can check out online or anything like that? Yeah, I wish that on the Google search of my name, this would come up. <laughs> um, so a couple of things. And I think, you know, once we get past the congregational vote, we can, we'll have more opportunities. Um, here's one thing that if you, and I, I will accept your friend's, your friend's request right away. If you could go to Facebook, if you're on Facebook, this would be a good way. I'm actually give two options. If you go on Facebook and we become friends, and I don't know how to do this, but I, I know there's a way. And if you go to June 2016, start seeing my post from June 2016, you will see um, over the next 40 days in the Facebook post what is the most significant line in the sand for me. And that's when I walked 520 miles um, beginning in France, over the Pyrenees, and across Spain. That What happened to me there is an important part of who I am now. So if you want to know an important part of who I am now, go through those posts, watch the videos. I think that will give you a good shot. You'll actually get to see me on one day um, when it started raining. I get to I get to sing The Rain in Spain. Falls <laughs> mainly in the plane, so I had to do that. Or the day that I walked 23 miles, I, did, I held up my hiking poles and I said, mic drop, and <laughs> I walked 23 miles. But you'll see some of my theological reflections, how I was thinking, my pastoral insights, if you want to do that. An easier way, but it doesn't have everything, is that there's a, a blog that I have. And I think if you Google Ernesto Medina, wannabe mystic. Wannabe mystic is in one, one word. You'll get kind of a Reader's Digest version because it doesn't necessarily have all the videos, but you'll get some theological reflections of what I was dealing with. Some of the kind of concepts that were important for me during that time is that it occurred to me that if we're going to share the good news, that the recipient should have an experience of happiness. This was something that I thought, you know, 
that I, I just think it just seems logical, which is why I'm a little goofy. I'm I'm not fearful of the power of the gospel. And and until the Camino, I had not seen anyone cry out of happiness when they heard and experienced that Jesus loved them. Period. No conditions. So those kind of things you'll see on both those um, resources. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. If uh, anybody has any questions, you can always email me, and I can send you the link to his Facebook page and uh, that blog. So thank you so much for being here, Ernesto. It's so great to get to know you a little bit better, and we hope to get to know you way better in the future. Thanks, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings, everyone. so much to everyone for listening today. I know this was a little bit of a longer podcast, but I'm sure uh, people will be pretty excited to get to know Pastor Ernesto a little bit better. Um, And so this Sunday, he is preaching here at both services, so we hope that you'll be able to join us. And then the following Sunday on November 22nd, we will have a special congregational vote in a meeting at 1130 and uh, we will vote to extend a call to Pastor Medina and we will also be voting on his compensation compensation package and you can only vote if you're in person so we hope that you'll feel safe enough so you can come and cast your vote um, this Sunday we also have the Operation Christmas Child shoebox blessing and so please make sure you bring your uh, boxes sometime this week or uh, Sunday so we can bless those And then next Sunday is Celebration Sunday, and we will uh, take time to celebrate what God has done over this past year here, even amidst all the craziness with COVID. Um, And we also have the Lifehouse annual holiday food drive going on right now. And so you can give online through the e-alert, or there there are some of those forms that we always have every year that are at the Mission Center sitting um, out there. So you can mail in your check if you would like to. And that is it for today. Have a great day.